Hello and welcome back to the PTP podcast. Today we're talking about onboarding clients in the next episode of What Personal Trainers Suck At. How are you doing, Pete? I'm, uh, I'm very well. How are you? All good. All good. We're going to kick off the podcast with a little joke for you. Huh? Yeah. What do you call you a zombie? What do you call a zombie who doesn't joke around? Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this. I know it. You want me to say it? Or yeah, you want... I don't know it. Dead serious. Hey. Hey. So it was like it was like the other week where it was like the other week where I applied for a job hanging mirrors. You know which page it is, don't you? <laughs> it's on Twitter. Well, it's yeah. Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. It's the same page, but that's actually where I got my Scotsman job. Oh, it's great. I love it. Great. It's a, yeah, so have you got any more? Oh. So I'm sorry, I'm just looking through the notes before <laughs> the before the podcast. Why don't you go on and I'm gonna have a look. You're going to go. So uh, I haven't got any jokes exactly, but I had a, a bit of a I had a bit of a nightmare today. So as if you've listened to the previous podcast last week or the previous podcast, I was talking about I'm coming over to England, uh, not just to see Lewis, I'm attending a wedding as well, seeing family as well. And I wanted to look fresh for this wedding. It's not my own wedding. And it is for someone else's wedding. It was meant to have a wedding three years ago and then COVID happened and it just got delayed. So we're two years down the line. I think she's been engaged probably five years before that. So she's been waiting to get married for like seven years or something. It's just wild. Anyway, so book myself in to the hairdresser and he's always late. I think he's not Spanish, but you know that whole manana attitude. Well, he's adopted it. So there, and he's finishing this kid, and then his his dad's there, and I'm thinking, I hope I hope the dad's not getting a haircut. Oh yeah, the dad's getting a haircut as well. Right on twelve when I my booking's twelve, so great. But anyway, on the way to the hairdresser, I was in a rush, so I drove, and I'm driving along, and it's a it's a nightmare because it's like Easter holidays here, so everyone from the north of the island like comes down to the south because it's hotter camper vans everything anyway so there's never really many spaces so i'm driving around and then that feeling when you can feel starting to bleed that horrible like trickle in your nostril well i'm driving along and I, just as a spot it must have been the shock of spotting the parking space that my nose starts to bleed really badly so, so your nose bled I, from the shock of seeing a car parking space. Well, no, I'm just I'm speculating here, Lewis. I don't think medically that is the real reason that it started to bleed. I think it could be the pressure buildup in my head. It could be the, the temperatures. And te- I don't know what exactly it's from. But as I spot it, I've got to then reverse into this space as my nose is bleeding. I've got people behind me beeping me. And so I'll go to wipe my nose because I've got no tissue in my hand and there's just blood like all over my arm now. And I had to reverse in and I can just feel blood running down my face. And the only thing I could find was like a half like used like uh, tissue. So I had to stem the flow of blood with the tissue until I could locate. I even considered using my bloody COVID mask. But oh, I yeah, why didn't you just use because I was like, I've only got this one COVID mask in the car and I need it for the hairdressers and I need to wear it. I don't think I can turn up with a blood soaked uh, mask and sit in the hairdressers waiting. I think that'll look worse. But anyway, 
managed to locate some tissues, a packet of fresh tissues. And uh, I had to plug my nose, but I got out and honestly, my hands, I looked like I'd read and I had to ask him to use his bathroom. So you still don't know why the nose bled? No, I mean, do you not occasionally get a nose bleed? Not never. Really? Considering, right, I am always sniffling and sneezing. Like I've got allergies galore. Like I'm always bunged up and sniffling. You've got a few like, problems so, here, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've got not chronic hair fever. Allergic to dogs, cats, so I'm always sniffing, but I never, ever get nosebleeds, never. It's talking about animals. What about the zoo? Can you just not go to the zoo? Well, no, because a lot of the time with the zoo, we went in Prague when we went. It's outside, isn't it? Like, you're outside most of the time. I mean, I'd hope the zoo was outside. Yeah, well, exactly. If it was indoors and, like, all the animals were just roaming around free, it probably would be bad, yeah, but because so I'm outside, it's all right. The... I thought if, if you've got a bad allergy to a small cat, a household cat, surely when you go and see the lions, that's, I just thought that would be worse. No. Amplified. If it, the lion was in a house, like say if I went around someone's house and they just happened to have a lion or a tiger. I, I mean, is, is that common where you live? Yeah, well, I used to go to Mike's house. Wow. Tiger, didn't he? <laughs> He did have a tag. I think he had all sorts of uh, exotic cameras. Anyway, well, um, anyway, tell you- so I was asking, um, I was asking Alex the other day, and I said, if, if, so I asked Alex, if I was the only one she'd been with, no, so, sorry, okay, I asked Where her, are we going? Asked, so well done. I, I, clip this, clip this, clip this. Okay, you the only... edit out those pauses. Yeah. And I yes, ask you a yes. question, you take half an hour to answer it. You just sounds like you don't know it. Yeah. You get it. So I asked her if I was the only one she'd been with. And she said, yeah, she, she said all the, all the others had been nines and tens. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. You're still on that Instagram or Twitter page. Right? I am. Yeah. I think so if any, for there. everyone who's listening, go to the dad jokes, dad's, dad says jokes on Twitter and Instagram. It's great. I didn't it, I mean, realize they're on Instagram as well. Yeah. It's literally the page made for me and Pete. I mean, we probably shouldn't say that because we've given away our, like, where we get all our stuff. Is people thinking, what? That wasn't original? That stuff you were saying? Mm. Edit that bit out, edit that bit out. Anyway, what are we actually talking about today, Pete? What are we blessing the listeners, the personal trainers today with? You, what knowledge bombs I've already have blessed them. I've already blessed them with that chat. Um, I know. But... On a serious note, Lewis, I'm glad you asked. So we're talking about onboarding clients. And why we're talking about this, because we've, we've had a mini-series on the go, haven't we? What PTs suck at. And it's probably definitely, well, I'd say probably, it's definitely an area that we didn't know the answers to straight away or have the perfect way to do or structure a system in place when we started. So we're going to share where maybe you can perfect you're onboarded. I had my mic muted. <laughs> I hope you're going to cut that. Well, the um, great thing is, as I said, so for everyone who was listening, I went to go talk and it was complete silence <laughs> and then realized I had my mic muted. I, I thought you were just, obviously when we do this podcast, we tend to have this understanding, let's say understanding that as I finish a sentence, you sort of know to then come in. So I thought you were just being tight. Because obviously we've been chatting off, off air 
and just taking the mick out of each other today. I thought you were just being tight, so you were just going to, like, leave me. <laughs> yes. So I thought, right, uh, so onboarded. But no, seriously, onboarding clients, the first thing you want to think about is, well, actually, no, bring it back. If you don't have a process, should I say, or automation process to onboard your clients, I don't want to say you're doing it wrong, but there's a lot more effective and efficient way of doing it. When I first started PT in our not even when I first started, the first four or five years up until a couple of years ago, every time I onboarded a client, I would send them a text message with a you know a full lowdown of what we spoke about in the consultation. I'd send them all the questionnaire, the par queue, all the stuff. But what I have set up now is an automation process so that I'll send a client a link to pay me on Stripe, for example. And I have a process set up so that once that payment comes through, they automatically get an email which has a breakdown of how the PT is going to work along with all the links to download the questionnaire, the park queue, and all the relative information. That way I am saving one, a bit of time and two effort doing that every time. It just takes that little bit of pressure where you've got to remember something because the last thing you want to do is take on a client, forget to send them all your documentation, which you've told them you're going to send them. And they've got to ask you for it once or twice. It just doesn't look good, especially when you're onboarding someone. So if something's automated, you don't even need to think about it. It's just going to happen. So the first thing I'd think about is getting a process set up to send over document documentation and questionnaire automatically. I, I think with that as well, what's really important is that it will take a little bit of time to set that up and get all the documents, questionnaires, a system where you you just plug in their email and it, it sends the stuff, you know, but once you do it, you're going to save a lot of time further down the line. And I think it's one of those things you have the consultation, you maybe sign that client up and then there might be, you might not get them straight in for a session. So rather than getting them into excited for PT, motivated, and then they don't hear for you from you for a week. If you're getting that automation sent through to them, they've got stuff to look at. It just keeps that motivation, that energy, excitement for that first session as well. Exactly. So apart from that, what else do you think PTs need to do then? Um, apart from the documentation, the questionnaires and the automation, what else do you think people need to think about when they first take on a client? Well, I think you just, obviously, you need to have everything organized when you do get that information back those questionnaires any documentation you have that in one place you can get to that easily so when you're going to make the training program anything like that you've got all those requirements at hand that you can then uh, cross check but things you need to obviously look at uh, their you know assessments so setting up a session where they come in and you can assess if there's any areas that they may be weak at if you're taking on someone like a uh, a new mother who she's been pregnant, had the child, not done a lot. You might find that her core is quite weak. So you would want to assess that if there's any imbalances in the hips, things like that. So assessing that, but it's also really important to go into expectations of both of you. So I feel you need to get that in from the, the offset in terms of what they can expect from you as a, as a professional coach and what you expect from them as a, a client. They don't meet them, you know, how that can then affect your results and the, the working relationship. 
in the but also getting across to them the importance of it. If you want to get the most results for your money and meet the expectations, then you have to adhere to them. And then it also holds you accountable as a trainer to make sure you're on time, making sure you're, you're concentrating in the sessions, you're giving them the contact they need and you're not sort of dropping a plate yeah. essentially with them. Exactly. So what I do when I onboard a client now, I will obviously have that process set up where they'll get all the documentation, the questionnaires, but then I'll book them in for an assessment session. So my assessment sessions, I'll say to them, look, the first session is going to be slightly different to all the other PT sessions you're going to do with me and the other ones which are programmed. It's essentially like a fitness test assessment. So the first 10 minutes of the session will be body measurements, for example, and getting them on the scales just to see where they are currently at. Obviously, if that is their goal to drop somewhere, as most people's is, I'll see what the body measurements are like get some photos if they are okay and comfortable with doing that. And I'll just almost tell them and let them know this is so we can see where you currently are. And then I'll test the strength. So we'll do some squats, maybe some dumbbell or bench press, some body weight push-ups, for example, or some rows, and then maybe a core exercise like a plank to failure. And then the last 10, 15 minutes, I might get them to do a, I don't know, a one or two K row as fast as they can. I'm getting their assessment, the body stats at the start of the assessment, then doing some strength exercises and then doing a bit of cardio at the end in the hour. And again, I stress this to them and, and it's for me as well. I'm doing this. So I know what their current strength is like. I know what the current form and technique is like on all the, the weight and movements, especially if it's, if it's someone who's new, obviously this is an assessment session where you can actually assess where their form currently is. So you know where you need to focus on in other sessions. And you know what their current baseline is. This is the, the main importance of it. So you can assess where they currently are, where the fitness levels are, where the strength is. I think uh, just to tag on to what you're saying there about the assessment stuff, you can't really put a price on how um, important that assessment stuff is because I know for one, if, you're, if you've got a client and they're maybe a bit bigger, and for most people, that's why they've come to you. Maybe they're low in confidence. They probably don't like the idea of you taking pictures of them because they're not comfortable in this. They don't really know you that well. And you want to take pictures of them with not maybe a lot of clothes on. So, but it is really important to get that start, those pictures when they start out, because that's going to showcase your culture further down the line. When you do maybe the monthly assessment, do their body measurements, take pictures, progress pictures. If you haven't got a base and a, a starting point, then you're missing a massive opportunity. And as those people get, you know, smaller and more confident as they're training, they're going to probably not care the fact you took those pictures at the start because they're more confident now that it's not as a bigger problem. Exactly. So I think you, you really need to do that. And the other, the second point I'd say, and what Lewis was saying in terms of testing their strength or some of those big compound movements is the last thing you want to do is assume that that person is stronger than what they are. So then when you program that first session, yeah. you've got to remember that first session they've come in, you you want it to be challenging. You want them to go out and go, right, this is why I've come for PT because Lewis or Pete yourself have pushed me but you don't want them going out like broken 
like this is going to be far too hard. This has broken me up. I can clearly not ready for PT. That's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to set them up to fail straight away. And that's a good point. So, the, the goal of the assessment session isn't to purely just rinse them and almost give them a beast until they walk out feeling knackered and drained and dripping with sweat. That's not the goal of it. No. And you, you definitely don't want them feeling anxious about the first PT session thinking, wow, that was just an assessment session and, and he's killed me. What's, what's a full hour going to be like? And so you don't want that. You want them feeling that they've made the right decision and that they're starting the journey, the, the journey, as we exactly. like to call it. But exactly. I think it's important to sort of touch on that assessment stuff. It's really important to get that in and it'll split you from other PTs. If you're doing that in a structured, systemized way, explaining everything to them, that's going to help you stand apart from other PTs. Exactly. And it's a way to measure progress as well. So as well, the last thing you want to try and do when you're on board, and Pete talks about it a lot, is expectations. So I think one of the worst things you can do is not have any expectations with someone and you are almost a yes man to them. They're canceling all the time. They're someone who's just a flaky client. We all know what it's like to have flaky clients. Cancel all the time, pay you late, always got excuses, can't bother to train, don't do what you're asking them, don't follow the nutrition. <clears throat> and most of the time... It's someone who could have been a good client if you just laid out the expectations. Because if you if you do lay them out in a consultation, you can always refer back to them. So if they do start being flaky, you can say, look, remember what we spoke about in the consultation and we, we set those expectations. You can't, if you cancel within 24 hours, you'll get paid. That, that's just an example of one and all the other ones you can add in. This means... They know what they need to do. And if they aren't adhering to it, you then can step in. What expectations do you think pe people need or maybe should think about adding into a consultation? Well, in terms of from the, let's start with the coaching side. So from what the expectations the coach expects from the client? Well, obviously in terms of cancellations, that, that should be definitely in there. What's your cancellation policy? Can they give you so much notice and then you, you would allow them to cancel? If it's short notice, will they have to still pay? And um, because if you haven't set that out at the start, and I think it's one of them, isn't it? You're, you're signing someone up, you're, you're really keen to get this person in your business. The last thing you want to do is maybe scare them off a bit with these expectations, but They'll probably respect you more because they think, right, this Lewis or Pete or yourself, they're serious. So if I just piss about, cancel five minutes before the session, I'm going to have to pay. That's going to hold them more accountable to actually turn up because they don't want to lose 30, 40, 50 quid, whatever you charge. And um, so I think definitely cancellation um, also being on time is, is really important. I mean, We've both had clients where we would consistently, and that that's probably one of my peeves. worst pet peeves, if I'm honest. Yeah. And that, the problem with that is, is you can, you can handle it now and then, but the, if they're consistently late to every session, who takes the hit on that? Does that mean that you're going to run over on your session, which then affects your next client, which isn't fair, or you don't run over, you finish your session when the time was, if it's an hour. You finish on the hour, but then it interferes with their training. If it's done consistently, you're not getting the sessions in. 
that you maybe need to get the progress or goal that that client wants. So if you've set that out at the start and the, the start off well, but then after a month, five, 10 minutes late, then for next week, it's 15 minutes late. You can say, look, uh, let's call them John, John, you, you're turning up later and later. And that's fair enough because it's, we're finishing on the hour, but you're losing time in your session. And I don't feel we're training you to the optimal that we need to. You're missing a lot of training because you turn up late. And that's going to interfere with how you know, your, your progress and your, your goals. So if you have that sit down chat and just remind them, if you've had the expectations at the start and, and map that out, it's going to be a lot easier um, exactly. further down the line. And then from a client side, what can they expect from a coach? Someone that cares, someone that is going to be on time, going to look professional, going to be interested in them. Isn't there just on the full occasionally counting a rep or two? someone that checks in when they're not training with them and someone that, you know, has really their, their, how would you describe it? Their best interest, yeah, at heart, their goal, they're striving to push you further than what you think you can be. And that's going to keep you progressing. You don't want someone that's just going to let you sort of stagnate. So I think my expectations around that would probably what you'd expect. What about you, Liz? Anything I've missed? I, I pretty much agree with everything you've said, I think it's just the main obvious ones, not being late, not canceling sessions, not paying late. It's all the pretty obvious stuff you should probably already know. Yeah. But as long as you're incorporating them, that's the main thing. Because if you don't lay them out in the, exp in the first bit of the consultation, or the end of the consultation, should I say, before you actually deliver the sessions, you can't refer back to it. And the client doesn't actually know that you're that bothered about them because people will take the piss. It's as simple as that. We all know as a PT, people will take the piss. I think just to jump on that one, that was a good one in terms of payment for the sessions, which is really important is, and we've probably both had it before where you've had someone and they've maybe not the quickest at paying you, which is annoying because you are a business, you have costs, living costs, whatever, rent, and you don't want to get in a situation where you're constantly having to remind them that awkward text message, that old awkward chat at the end of the sessions, like, would you mind? Um, I know you haven't paid me for the last month. Could you do it? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And forget. You, the last thing you want is someone that is, hasn't paid for a while, but they're still turning up to sessions because you're pissed off about it. It's a bit awkward when you come to train them. Is, is that happening to you, Liz? Yeah. It's just one of those where we all know what it's like to ask for money from a client. Even after seven years, it's even still a little bit, it's not awkward because they know they're paying for a service, but it's still, you're asking for a lump sum of money. Even if you're asking for two quid off your mates, you still always feel sort of a little bit on edge yeah. about it. Whether it's 200 quid or two quid, it makes a difference. So almost just setting out to them, that we want the payment on time and letting them know when the blocker sessions or monthly um, payment needs to be paid so they know ahead of time so they don't know. Sorry, they aren't almost just landed on it in terms of you yeah. just turned around at them and said, oh, you owe 300 quid and they knew nothing about it. So make sure they know when they need to pay it as well. So it's not a surprise to them, essentially. I think, but that's great. That's interesting you say that because that almost goes full circle doesn't it with you know the documentations the automation stuff that you're sending 
you should really be sending some information about payments, what the expectations are in terms of when you first pay, when, if there's a direct debit, when it'll take out with your bank. Normally, yeah. the more information you give them about that payment stuff, then like you say, you're not hitting them at the end of the session saying, oh, you owe me for a full month's worth of training because you haven't paid it. And it, it said you have to pay it, you know, the 20th of every month. Yeah. And well, sorry, I didn't realize that it's awkward. So the most information or the more information you send across at that automation point should help out those awkward conversations and, or you can reference back to them. But the last thing I'd say on this, Lewis, is and you, I know you would agree with me on this is you've got to have a little bit of leeway. So we're talking as if you be, need to be really strict with this, having the expectations and setting it out and sort of being bulletproof in terms of you cover everything cover everything and more, and then you can always reference back to it, but you're dealing with human beings. So you need to have a bit of give and take. So if you're PTing someone, it's the first time they miss a payment or they're late, don't bite the head off or find out the reason why and, and work with them because that is part of the relationship as well. And you don't want to kick off with someone and then that affects the, the relationship. So you, you need to have a bit of leeway. Exactly. Um, so I hope we've covered that up today hope you enjoyed this episode episode what was it episode 62 episode 63 on born clients what pt sucker if you want to know more information and actually want to be a prosperous personal trainer to earn more money get more clients and reduce the stress head to the link in the description of the podcast and don't forget to rate as well thanks very much guys and we'll see you in the next one we're Lewis and Pete from Personal Trainer Portal. We've built up over 14 years of combined experience personal training, and now we're here to help gym floor personal trainers to earn more money, get more clients, and reduce the stress and anxiety of starting out in the industry. Let's dive into this episode.